Alberta Premier Jason Kenney has resigned as leader of the United Conservative Party and has announced his intention to resign as Premier. We're going to break down all the reasons why. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. So we had quite the eventful night last night in Alberta. We learned the fate of the Premier, Jason Kenney. And as I said, he lost the leadership review. We'll break down all of the facts, go through all of the news. But they held a leadership review to determine whether or not he would go forward as leader of the party. So this was an internal vote among Conservative Party members in Alberta, United Conservative Party members in Alberta. And the vote was so close that Premier Kenney decided on his own that he didn't want to stay on and lead this party, that he was going to resign and make way for a leadership review. So we're going to go through the news of what happened. We're going to go through my personal analysis of why I think Jason Kenney lost. I think it can be boiled down to four specific distinct reasons why he lost. And then we're going to talk about how this is very bad for Canada and for the conservative movement in Canada specifically. Before I get into all of that, though, I want to do a personal disclosure here. So I think that listeners and viewers of this podcast should know that Jason Kenney is a personal friend of mine. I once worked for Jason Kenney back when he was the Minister of Immigration in the Harper government. It was sort of early in my career. I got a great opportunity to become his press secretary. I got to work closely with Jason and I learned a tremendous amount about politics and the media from working with him. I think he is an incredible human being. I think he is incredibly intelligent, incredibly hardworking, very insightful, very thoughtful, very well read, uh, just just very overall wonderful person. And I also have a personal uh, friendship that endures. I met my future husband working in Jason Kenney's office. And so my husband was also a political staffer in the Harper government working in Kenney's office. And that is how we first met. So in a, in a way, uh, Jason introduced me to my future husband. So I'm obviously uh, forever uh, grateful and indebted to for that opportunity and, and to have been able to meet my husband that way. So my husband is also friends with Jason Kenney. Their friendship uh, remains. The, and so I am not a neutral observer when it comes to the premier. I, I am biased in his favor because I have so much respect for him for my personal experiences and uh, from the things that I gained from having that work experience there. So so that's all on the table. I want you to know that. So I'm going to do my best to uh, provide the facts, provide the news, tell you why I think he lost. And I think he made some critical missteps in that is why he's no longer going to be premier of the province. And and, and so we'll, we'll go through all of that. But, but that uh, disclosure, I think, is important for you as a viewer or a listener to know. So as I said, quite the night in Alberta last night. And as I said, the party had decided to do a leadership review of the premier. It was supposed to happen, I believe, in the fall. And then they decided to compromise and do it earlier because if the premier were to be removed, which is what ended up happening, uh, they wanted time to find a new leader and have them uh, be well positioned for the general election in Alberta, which will happen a year from now in 2023. So, so they moved it forward. It was supposed to be an in-person vote in Red Deer last month. There were so many people, though, that, that signed up and were reported that they wanted to uh, vote in this race, that they the, the premier's office and the party decided to move it to a ballot vote. So they were going to do a vote instead. And that had its own controversy. There were a lot of people um, who were opponents of Kenny and critics of Kenny who said that this was all sort of planned and schemed to sort of rig the election. And even if Kenny had won, um, it still would have been a loss because he probably was cheating. I, I heard a lot of people making those kind of comments. Regardless, I mean, look, we had 34,298 votes cast. So it's hard to imagine um, the, a party facilitating that 
many people uh, to allow that many votes in person in a place like Red Deer that just isn't a very big place. So I think I think in the end that that part was justifiable. But again, we had 34,298 votes cast. The vote counting took place Wednesday at 4 p.m. and lasted till about 6 p.m. The accounting firm Deloitte was hired by the party to oversee the ballot count and audit the results. And so here is the results being announced last night. It came in at, I think it was around 8.30 or something like that Eastern time. So it would have been about 6.30 or 7 um, mountain time, and here is what that looked like. Our party's leadership review and selection rules set out that the question in a leadership review shall be, quote, do you approve of the current leader, unquote. Members were given the option to vote yes or no. Those same rules require we announce the number of votes cast for and against the question as well as the total numbers for the vote. So here are those numbers. I can advise that there were 34,298 votes cast. There were 17,638 yes votes and 16,660 no votes. These numbers represent 51.4% yes and 48% 48.6% no. So as you see, Kenny technically won the race. He had 17,638 votes in favor of for members saying that he should stay on. That's 51.4% of the vote. Contrast that with the 16,660 uh, members who voted to have him removed, which was 48.6%. So incredibly close. But Kenny still won. And remember that going into this race, he said, look, if I get 51% of the vote, I will consider that a victory and a mandate big enough to stay on. Um, however, uh, that's not the case. So so given how close it was, given how split this party is, Jason Kenny came into the room and he made the following speech, essentially just saying that he's going to respect the vote. And you can see the audience starts cheering at that because they interpret that as saying, I'm going to respect the vote. I won the vote, so I'm going to stay on as premier. And then he changes tune and he says that he's going to resign. And you can feel the sort of disappointment and angst in the room because they obviously don't want Kenny to step down. So here is what that clip looked like. I've been clear from day one that I will respect the decision of the members in this leadership review. And I expect all members of our party to do just that. Friends, while while 51% of the vote passes the constitutional threshold of a majority, it clearly is not adequate support to continue on as leader. And that is why tonight I have informed the president of the party of my intention to step down as leader of the United Conservative Party. I'm sorry, but friends, I truly believe that we need to move forward united. We need to put the past behind us. And our members, a large number of our members, have asked for an opportunity to clear the air through a leadership election. And so Kenny did the honorable thing. He did the right thing. I saw saw a lot of people sort of 
commending him on social media saying look I don't necessarily agree with you I didn't like you as premier but you definitely did the honorable thing your party is clearly very embattled it is clearly very split and Kenny felt that he just didn't have the mandate to move forward so he announced that he is stepping down and basically what I see from that is this party is split so go back to the history of the United Conservative Party it was the party that was founded by Jason Kenney he united two different parties he united the Progressive Conservative Party, which is more the establishment Edmonton uh, political party versus the upstart, the Wild Rose Party, which is the sort of more grassroots populist libertarian party. So, so we still have these two factions, right? These two different types of conservative in Alberta. I mean, there's many, many different types of conservatives, but they sort of fit nicely into these two camps. The camps merged together because they saw that the ultimate goal really was to beat the NDP in an election and to govern the province. However, in practice, you could see how they didn't really want to govern. They wanted, they, they, they still had that split. They still have that divide where the populist libertarian party wants a certain set of policies and the establishment uh, conservative party has a different standard and a different, different expectations of what may happen with a government. So I want to get into the reasons why I think Jason Kenney lost because, because he did lose. He, he lost control of the party that he himself created. He didn't have uh, his, his finger on the pulse in the province. He allowed an uprising and an insurgency and a resistance movement that ultimately took him down. And, you know, as a premier of the province and as the head of the political party, that's ultimately on Jason Kenney. That, he, he let that happen. And I, I've been thinking about it, you know, this, this news just came out last night, but I've been thinking about the reasons why I think that Jason Kenney lost and I think it can really be boiled down to four reasons so I'm going to go through the four reasons right now number one I think the most obvious reason that the pundits in the media are going to is COVID it's a COVID response it's a COVID handling it's the pandemic I think that's true but there was one particular part of the COVID pandemic management that, that really stuck out and I think that this really was a turning point and something that was a sticking point for many conservatives and that was his flip-flop when it came to vaccine passports I think Kenny could have been forgiven by the conservative base by many conservatives in Alberta uh, for the initial lockdowns, for closing down schools, for doing all the things that everyone else was doing. But when it came to the vaccine passports, that th this is like a red line for many conservatives, especially those of us with libertarian leanings. The idea that the state is going to track our health status and determine whether or not we can get into certain places and have access to certain parts of society based on our personal health status, that, that's a bridge too far for most of us. And the fact that it happened all over Canada is a total disgrace. The thing about Jason Kenney, though, and the way he rolled it out, is that his initial response to the idea of a COVID vaccine mandate was completely correct. And he was incredibly articulate. He was incredibly forceful in his opposition to the concept of a vaccine passport. He came out with the exact correct position. And this is in the summer of 2021. This is a clip of Jason Kenney on July 12th, giving the correct response and saying exactly why he vows to not cooperate with the federal government and he vows to not bring in a vaccine passport. Here's that clip. What's your position on vaccine passports for those individuals unwilling to be vaccinated? Opposed. And we've been very clear from the beginning that we will not facilitate or accept vaccine passports and that, in fact, we regard, I, I believe that they would, in principle, contravene the uh, Health Information Act and also possibly the Freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Act. We also amended the Public Health Act to remove the 110-year-old power, allowing Alberta to force people to be inoculated. So these folks who are concerned about mandatory vaccines have nothing to be concerned about, and there will be no vaccine passports in Alberta. Will the provincial government act on behalf of Alberta citizens if the federal government seeks to impose such restrictions? Yes. 
So there you have it. Jason Kenney was unequivocal in his opposition to vaccine passports. However, a mere two months later, on September 15th, Jason Kenney announced a new set of lockdowns, a new set of restrictions, and yes, a vaccine passport. So dealing with a, another surge in COVID that came after his, uh, you know, open for the summer marketing campaign that kind of fell flat because it caused a huge spread in COVID or at least facilitated and allowed a huge spread in COVID in Alberta. He sort of reluctantly came out and announced, he, he didn't even announce it as a vaccine passport, though he called it a restrictions exemption program, which sounded very Orwellian. So here is a sort of defeated looking Jason Kenney announcing the exact opposite uh, position of the principled stance that he had taken just two months earlier. Here's what that looked like. But it has now become clear that to save lives and prevent business closures, we must go further in encouraging vaccination and reducing the chance of infection for those who are unprotected. That is why the government has uh, reluctantly decided to adopt the restriction exemption program, a proof of vaccination program for participation in certain discretionary activities that have a higher risk of viral transmission. No one will be compelled to get vaccinated against their wishes and a negative test option will be offered as an alternative. But with unvaccinated patients overwhelming our hospitals, this is now the only responsible choice that we have. So th so there was Jason Kenney even admitting that he had obviously done a flip-flop on this issue. And again, I think that this was just so damaging for the premier, so upsetting to principled conservatives who, first of all, don't want to see a vaccine passport in their province. And second of all, just don't like the idea of a politician reneging and flipping. And and so I think that was that was... To, to many people, the final straw and the reason why they could just no longer support Jason Kenney. Okay, so the first reason, COVID and specifically the COVID uh, vaccines. Second reason, I think Jason Kenney lost last night was just bad timing. This is the first opportunity that many uh, people have had the opportunity to go to the ballot box and express their frustration with the establishment, with the elites, with the experts uh, since the trucker convoy and since the COVID pandemic, really. I know we had a federal election in 2021 and I think a lot of Albertans were just disgusted because there were not a lot of different differentiation between the federal leaders and, you know, regardless of how Alberta votes, uh, we all know that really the, 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 the people who determine a federal election are people in and around Toronto um, and, and Ontario. So uh, I, I think that this was the first opportunity that many conservatives and many Canadians had to just express their dismay and their anger and their frustration over government lockdowns, government overreach, uh, this sort of expert class is completely out of touch with the Canadian public. And, and, and then we also have, you know, all kinds of sort of scary economic situations on the horizon. It looks like we're going into a recession. Uh, inflation numbers are out of control. Uh, we're going to have higher interest rates. And th there's just a lot of problems in the economy in general. I know the economy in Alberta is doing a bit stronger because of the high price of oil, but still there, there's just sort of a lot of uh, precarious situations on the horizon. And I think Jason was a little bit of a victim of bad timing. The third reason why I think Jason Kenney lost last night is just a total lack of organization and awareness. Now, if you look at the numbers of the vote last night, so Jason Kenney, as I said, he got 17,638 votes in favor, 16,000 votes against. There's only 30 
34,000 people who voted in that race. So really, we're talking about a few thousand people here. A few thousand votes would have made all the difference in the world. I think if Jason Kenney had managed to get, say, 55% of the vote, which is really just an extra 3,000 votes, uh, he would have been fine. He would have been able to justify staying on. Um, and yet he couldn't He couldn't even muster up an additional 3,000 votes. So 17,000 votes. Just to put that into context, when Jason Kenney became leader of the party back in 2017, again, it was a party that he founded and he created, um, he had 35,000 people vote just in favor of him, right? Compare 35,000 to last night where he got 17,000. So he, he, he just wasn't organized. He wasn't able to get his vote out. He wasn't able to mobilize his people, to energize his people, to get them. All they had to do was just fill out a little ballot and put it in the mail. It wasn't like they even had to go and leave their house and go show up somewhere. All they had to do was fill out a ballot, but the sort of groundwork and the organization work uh, just wasn't there. And again, I, I mentioned, I think Jason Kenney is one of the hardest working people I've ever met and one of the hardest working, if not the most hard working person in Canadian politics. And yet for some reason, they couldn't find an extra 3000 people out there in the entire province of Alberta uh, to let them support and to vote in this race. So, I mean, just going back to when Jason Kenney was a member of parliament, in the 2015 federal election, he managed to get 42,000 votes. And this is just in his Calgary Minipore riding in Calgary Southeast. He got 42,000 people to vote for him in an election when everyone knew that the Conservatives were going to win in Calgary uh, regardless because there wasn't really any opposition. I mean, look at these numbers. Jason Kenney won with 66% of the vote, and he still managed to get 42,000 people out just in Calgary. Go back to the 2011 election campaign again when, when Jason's riding was Calgary Southeast, 48,000 people to vote for him in one in one riding, in one federal riding, in one part of Calgary. So if you, if you can get 48,000 people to come out to vote for you in a general election, you, you can't find an extra 3,000 votes across the entire province of Alberta. I think this goes to show that I, I don't think the premier took this vote very seriously. I don't think that he was organized in the right way. I don't think that he wor was working with the people at the grassroots level in Alberta to mobilize the vote, activate the vote, energize the vote, and it just wasn't wasn't communicated, wasn't organized in, in a way that he needed, obviously, because otherwise he, he would have been in a much better position uh, to continue to lead this party. So I really think the lack of organization there was a problem. And finally, the fourth reason why I think Jason Kenney lost, and th this, this one hits a little closer to home, this was that the premier ignored the influence of independent media. There is no doubt that the independent media in Alberta had a significant impact on this vote, and it is a major part of the reason why we are in this situation, why Jason Kenney will no longer be premier of Alberta. It's clear. Albertans get their news increasingly from independent media. I mentioned I was just in Calgary two weekends ago for a conference, and I couldn't believe how many people came up to me, how many people recognized me, how many people knew about True North and knew about uh, the work that we do here. And I think out of the entire country, uh, there is an outsized interest and a viewership of independent media in Alberta and uh, specifically on the conservative side of the spectrum, right? We're, we're not talking about a general election last night. We're talking about the conservative base and why the conservative base in the most conservative province in the country, Alberta, voted against Premier Kenny. And I think that m most of those people, more of those people than anywhere and any other sample group in society gets their news from the independent media. And I'm not just talking about True North. I'm talking about the Rebel, the Western Standard, and, and many other independent journalists, people like Kian Bexty, and of course us here at True 
north. But I think as far as a premier goes, it wasn't part of his strategy. He didn't take an interest. He's never really liked the rebel. He's never wanted to have anything to do with the rebel. He doesn't go on their shows. He doesn't really engage with them. Maybe he did five, six years ago, but it's not on his horizon now. And the rebel was really relentless in the way that they covered the premier covered the United Conservative Party. They they didn't treat him w with with kid gloves. They weren't friendly to him. They didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. They pushed hard against the UCP and against Premier Kenny, trying to embarrass him at any opportunity, trying to expose the things that were happening. And frankly, thank goodness they did. I mean, the the, the high profile arrests of Christ of Christian pastors. I'm talking about Tim Stevens, the Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary. Archer and David Polunsky in Calgary, and James Coates of Grace Life Church in Edmonton. So the rebels' relentless coverage of the attacks on churches, the attacks on Christian pastors, the way that they were treated, and sure, you could say, look, they were breaking the law, they weren't supposed to be having uh, their church service and their church gatherings. I, I don't care about that. Any time that you have a government telling a church, telling religious people that their right to pray and the right to go to church has been upended. Meanwhile, you know, grocery stores and Walmart are still open. It is absolutely unconscionable. And for Jason Kenney, who has been a heroic advocate for religious freedom throughout his entire career, uh, to, to see that happen in, in his province under his watch uh, was just a level of hypocrisy that I think that many conservatives in Alberta just couldn't get over. And again, I credit uh, the Rebel News for that. I think that had Jason Kenney taken a more um, collegial approach to the Rebel and been more willing to talk to them and more willing to engage with them, the Rebel wouldn't have been so dead set on exposing this kind of stuff. And of course, Jason Kenney should have never allowed for the arrests of Christian pastors under his watch in his province. So I think that uh, regardless of which way you look at it, uh, it was a failure on behalf of the premier and his comms team. So those are the four reasons why I think Jason Kenney lost. And I think that there is a lot of room for valid criticism against the premier and the way that he governed and the mistakes that he made. And, and, and he'll have to live with that. That is the, the fate that he has been delivered. Now, I, I want to get into uh, a bit of a broader analysis because I don't think that this is really good news for Albertans. I don't think it is good news for conservatives. And I don't think it is good news for Canada. So I want to pick up on some of the analysis that I've seen out there that I think raises some good points. So we have Brian Lilly of the Toronto Sun tweet this. He says, Alberta has lost a great champion and a great politician. It's a case of people saying they won't accept anything but purity, a warning for the full conservative movement. And so this is the idea that you know, Jason Kenney accomplished some good things. He was a solid conservative leader. And yet, you know, there was this anger. There was this anger that existed over the pandemic. There's this divide that persists in the UCP party between the old Wild, Wild Rose and PC factions. And they just couldn't get over that. They allowed sort of the petty differences within the party to bring down a leader. And it's hard to, it's hard to imagine a year from now, um, the UPC really standing a chance against the NDP. You know, Rachel Notley, the former premier, sort of back. She's popular among a certain subset of Albertans, and they kind of feel like the government in waiting right now while the UCP party is in shambles. And so you, you could also observe this as, hey, uh, the conservatives just took down their own leader, and they're going to suffer for the next five years uh, because of it under an NDP government, which will be way worse than Jason Kenney. 
Another insightful analysis that I saw on Twitter came from Kaylin Ford. Kaylin Ford was supposed to be a star candidate in Jason Kenney's caucus. She ran for the UCP, but ended up getting ousted before the 2019 election. Uh, she was sort of the victim of cancel culture by a smear piece published by the left-wing activist outlet Press Progress, basically derailed her entire political career. Uh, well, she writes this, and I think this is sort of the conventional thinking among many conservatives in Canada right now. She writes this. Albertans, once again, living up to the stereotype as a congenitally quarrelsome bunch, we become ungovernable. There is something admirable about the libertarian spirit of Albertans, or if not always admirable, then reassuring. It's a pretty effective check against bad government. Unfortunately, she writes, it's also a check against good and effective government. Insofar as this leadership review reflects an unwillingness to just forget the damage caused by COVID measures, especially school closures, masked children, and internal passports, I'm sympathetic. The war in memory should be resisted. Accountability is important, but of all the elected leaders who should face some kind of reckoning over zealous, irrational, and inhumane COVID measures, it's ironic that this is the only leader who's likely to go down for it. I think that sort of speaks to my, my point about bad timing for the Kenny government, because had this review happened a year from now, I think a lot of men's would have been healed and we would have moved on, and the focus would have more been on economic management of the province as opposed to people just casting their vote out of anger and frustration about COVID and putting it to towards any political elite they could find. And Jason Kenney was sort of the target at the time. I'm going to share one more piece that I thought was insightful this morning. And this came from Sean Spear writing over in the hub. Sean Spear is a policy advisor and he is a founder of the hub. It's a great website. I encourage everyone to go check it out at thehub.ca. But he wrote this this morning. He wrote, a lament for conservatism, a spirited minority of conservative partisans have come to define their politics in solely oppositional terms. He writes, Alberta's Kenny-led government wasn't perfect, no government ever is, but it was the country's most ambitious center-right provincial government since the Harris government's common-sense revolution in Ontario more than a quarter century ago. There are virtually no areas of provincial policy, from taxes and spending to education and healthcare, and virtually everything in between that wasn't the subject of energetic reform. The totality of the government's reformist impulses shifted the Alberta government decidedly in a more conservative direction, and in doing so set out a policy playbook for other provincial conservatives to draw from. One would think that such a successful agenda would have widespread support among conservatives and conservatives. Yet nearly half of UCP members who cast their ballots in the party's leadership review disapproved of Kenny's leadership. The obvious question is, what gives? Even accounting for the naked ambitions of some of the anti-Kenny forces, such as the self-evidently unserious Brian Jean or serially foolish Daniel Smith, doesn't quite explain it. There's something bigger going on. There's a small yet spirited minority of grassroots conservatives who's come to define their politics in solely oppositional terms. It derives from a position of perceived weakness in modern society. They see mainstream institutions, including corporations, universities, and the media, succumbing to an assertive form of progressivism and feel increasingly embattled in a culture war that at times can be quite hostile to their ideas and values. These feelings of powerlessness, marginalization, and condescension are reinforced by online sources of American conservative media. The result is a siege mentality that's more reactionary than it is conservative. These people aren't interested in incremental policy reform. They're looking for a fight. They want to toss a hand grenade into a cathedral of our mainstream institutions. 
This oppositional conservatism has, of course, been exacerbated by the COVID-19 lockdowns. The entire pandemic experience laid bare in their minds the corruption of the political class and so-called experts. The so-called Freedom Convoy was the clearest expression of their anger. Now Kenny's sacking is its most significant. So I think that there is a lot of truth to that. I think there's a lot of anger. But again, rather than blaming the masses or blaming the conservative base, as I think Sean is sort of getting at here, and I think many sort of Kenny insiders and establishment conservatives will do. I think that there needs to be some internal soul searching as well. And I think that there is there, there, there are real and significant missteps that the premier has taken that have led to this situation. Sadly, unfortunately, I'm not happy about it. I do think it is a sad, a sad day for conservatism, an, an unfortunate day in our country. But, you know, there are consequences to political actions. And I think that that is what is playing out in Alberta right now. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'm Candice Malcolm, and this is The Candice Welcome show.